Have you ever felt like a doormat who people can just walk all over? Or perhaps you felt like a punisher attacking any and everyone who may stand in your way. If you have ever felt like this, you are not alone. So many people live in this cycle because they don't have boundaries. Boundaries are a huge part of my life, and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you today. Our guest today is one of my favorite guests I have ever had the pleasure of having on the Influencer Podcast. Today, we are chatting with Terry Cole, a licensed psychotherapist, global relationship and empowerment expert, and the author of Boundary Boss, the essential guide to talk true, be seen, and finally live free. She has a gift for making complex psychological concepts accessible and actionable so that clients and students achieve sustainable change. And that is what's happening today. You are going to learn about the hero child, the clown, the invisible child, and the scapegoat. Which one were you growing up and how does that shape your boundaries? You're also going to learn how to create healthy and simple boundaries starting today. Your preferences, limits, and non-negotiables, how to know them and share them, and how to say no with love confidence, and clarity. To have some fun today, we are giving away five of Terry's books, which are amazing. Her book, Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide for T- to Talking True, Being Seen, and Finally Living Free. All you have to do is screenshot today's episode, tag at Joel Solomon and at Terry, T-E-R-R-I, Cole, and share your biggest takeaway. The first five screenshots that we see will get a free copy of Terry's book sent straight to your house. We can either send you a hard copy or send you an audible digitally, whichever one you prefer. All right, guys, let's get started. This is an awesome conversation and I can't wait to dive in. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started. Hello, Terry. Well, hi. I'm so excited to be here. My gosh, I'm so excited too. I feel like we're about to have the most amazing, perfect therapy session slash... moment together. I know I'm about to take away a lot. And I really know that this incredible community is about to take away a lot. So let's dive in. All right. Harry, Terry, you are the boundary boss. Tell me all about that. And really why boundaries? Why was that something that you were like, I'm going to put my name behind this? Well, it happened over much, much time, right? Over years. I've been a psychotherapist for 25 years. And really, what do they say, Julie? You teach what you most need to learn. So I was a boundary disaster for sure in my 20s and had been in therapy. You know, I was I was on this healing journey um, young. I started therapy at 19. I quit drinking at 21. So I was already sort of differentiating from my family system and being like, I'm going to do something different, you know, but I didn't realize how disordered my boundaries were and how so much of the pain that I was experiencing in my life and the resentment and the overgiving and the overworking and the overdoing, I was so exhausted from doing it. You know, I was really an, um, Really, I mean, listen, most of us, if you were raised and identify as a woman, we were raised in praise to be self-abandoning, codependent, 
just culturally. I mean, I, and I am no exception. So it was all about being nice, be a good girl. So in my early, you know, in my early therapy, let's say my twenties, I started realizing I had a brilliant therapist who was helping me see how not cool my boundaries were and how I was not talking true, right? I was not saying what I really was thinking. It was all about managing the crap out of other people. And that is what I did. And then, then I was a, um, a talent agent negotiating contracts for supermodels and celebrities for almost 10 years. And I saw that, you know, at Hollywood, right, entertainment, not a hotbed of mental health. And you could imagine how the boundaries were so blurred. We were all like the same age. Everyone was young. It was all about partying and going to the shows. And I mean, and I was already sober by then, right? So I wasn't that interested in that stuff. But I could, again, see how difficult it was to draw boundaries with my clients, these famous demanding folks. I mean, they weren't all demanding, but a lot were, especially when I was in the world of modeling. And so again, there was this, you know, focus being put on it. So when I became a therapist, so I left that, um, that career, you know, much to my father's chagrin, um, because I left according to him at the height of my career, I was running a talent agency in New York. It was by coastal, and I just got to a point where I was like, wow, this is totally not what I want to do. Um, I just kept thinking the more money, the more success, the more famous people I would feel the way I wanted to feel. And then when I got to that place, I was like, crap, I still don't feel the way that I want to feel. And at that point, I also couldn't deny that the only thing I was really interested in with my clients was not like the Pantene deal or the movie contract. It was their mental wellness. I was helping people get into eating disorder clinics and drug treatment clinics and um, therapy and all of those things. And I was like, just when, <laughs> if not you who, and if not now, when, like there's going to be no good time to leave this career that everyone thinks is so shiny and fancy and cool. It doesn't matter what they think, like do your thing. So anyway, I quit. I applied to one grad school. I applied to NYU and I was like, well, I guess if I don't get in, I'm not going because I'm not going to like go to Cleveland. You know what I mean? I was, I was living in New York city. I'm like, this is where I want to go. This is the program I want to be in. And then when I got in, I was like, oh my God, crap, I got to go. So that was how I got to having a private practice, which I knew is exactly what I wanted to do. And this is where over and over and over again, I saw this epidemic. It didn't matter what presenting problem someone came into my office with. I could just follow those dots backwards to a lack of this all important skill set of establishing and asserting boundaries and knowing what they are. And so that started like really decades of research in the trenches with my clients. And then eventually, then I had a public platform and all those things were happening. And I just was like, you know, nobody teaches this like I do. I already have all of this content. Let's just write a book. And I did. I have some fun news, fun, fun, fun news, amazing news. My brand new personal development membership called Empower You is officially open. The Empower You membership gives you the exact steps to create the change you want. And you can try it out for just $1 your first month if you pre-order my book. Just go to juliesolomon.net slash membership for all the details. Now, the Empower You membership is the perfect place if you feel like you have to dim your light to fit in. 
We all have negative origin stories that have defined and shaped our lives. And when you struggle with how bright and expansive your energy and light are in the world, you stay in a constant loop of dimming your light to fit in. This leads to resentment, anger, and self-sabotage. It's also perfect for you if you feel like time is running out. Despite all the work you've done on yourself and all the boxes you've checked, you feel like you have only scratched the surface. You know there is something more you came to create or contribute, but you remain restless and unfulfilled. Or maybe you feel like you have to make yourself feel smaller to make others feel safe. Maybe it shows up as a comparison, or maybe it shows up as perfectionism or control. Perhaps it causes you to become a pushover or a punisher with those that you love most. Or maybe you recognize that you are making yourself smaller for others and you don't know how to stop. You've spent years making yourself smaller because other people were threatened by your authentic, amazing self. If this sounds like you at all, you're going to get so much out of this new membership. And you can try it out for just $1 your first month when you pre-order my new book, Get What You Want. All you have to do is go to juliesolomon.net slash membership to get all of the details. When you join the Empower You membership, you get me as your personal coach. I take out all the guesswork to make your journey doable, loving, and most importantly, fun. I'll guide you throughout the year with monthly private podcast episodes that only members get access to. And every month, I'll help you stay consistent with bi-weekly coaching calls that offer clear direction on the exact actions you can take to transform your life. Each month, you will be reminded that you no longer need to underestimate the power of that small but mighty voice inside you that knows what you want. Just go to juliesolomon.net slash membership to check it out and get your first month for just $1. You also get a ton of free bonuses, including accountability support, a study guide, and so much more. So if you're ready to listen to your calling to step up and lead, light up the world with your unique presence, begin influencing others, and you're ready to create the self-love and acceptance that you want in your life, this is the perfect membership for you. Go to juliesolomon.net slash membership to join today. It's so good. And you know, I, I love your book. It's, it's one of my favorites. Um, to give you a little bit of background on me, I grew up in an alcoholic home, which of course that automatically means that I don't know where other people leave off and I begin. Um, and from that have, have gone through my own discovery of trying to figure that out. And one of those things that I have learned are boundaries and discovering that. So your book is incredible for those that are listening. We'll be talking about this in a moment, but I cannot stress enough how important it is to grab boundary boss, her book. It's amazing. Also get the audible version so you can listen to it while you read it. Um, it's, it, you're just going to be able to absorb the information. And I, I can't stress how important this is because in my own work of working with so many women through coaching them and helping them grow their business and brand, so much of it comes back to that idea of, well, you can't get what you want because you also don't know where you leave off and other people begin. You don't have the boundaries in place. You are so your, your validation, everything that you want in life is so dependent on what other people, places and things think and feel about you. So let's start there. What are boundaries? How do we define them? Okay. Well, I define them as I want you to think about it as your own personal rules of engagement. It's how we let others know what's okay with us 
and what's not okay with us encompassed in your boundaries. I break them down into your preferences, your limits, and your deal breakers, like your non-negotiables. So that is where we start, right? Because not all boundaries are made equal because a preference is not as important as a deal breaker, right? So, you know, there's gradations of, you know, a preference you can compromise, right? A preference is tea or coffee. It doesn't have to be the end of the world. You're in a relationship with someone who's sober and they relapse and do not go get help for four months and that is a deal breaker for you, that's a deal breaker, right? And that's a boundary that you are not willing to um, get rid of. So that that is how I describe it. But herein lies the rub. You must know your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers. So this is where we start. So don't worry. Whoever's watching, listening, if you are like, wow, I'm a boundary disaster or I have no friggin' idea where I'm at, it where you are is the perfect place to start. And the way the book is written and the way that I teach it and the way we're going to be talking about it here is that it doesn't matter how much or little you know. You can start right where you are because so much of the beginning of this process is going in. It's having a deeper understanding of your own unique, what I call your downloaded boundary blueprint. So this is in your unconscious mind. And it's like a schema, sort of like, or the way that it's organized. We learn from our family of origin. We learn from our country, our culture, our place in the family system, especially if it's an alcoholic system, then we have roles that we play. You've got the hero child and you've got the invisible one, you've got the clown and you've got, there's a whole, there's a whole thing. All of those things come together to make your unique boundary blueprint. And I want you to think about it like this. It's like an architectural blueprint for a house that someone else designed. And we just hand it down from generation to generation And so what I am doing is inviting you to go into the basement of your mind, right? I don't worry. I'll walk you down there. I've got a little headlamp. I'll hold your hand. Don't worry. But that's where the information is because so much of it we don't think about. So the way the book is written in the way, you know, because it's a book, but then there's also work book aspects to it where you start answering questions about the home that you grew up in. What was the modeled? behavior that you saw when it came to boundaries, because every single one of you, just like me, we have really damn good reasons for relating to boundaries the way that we do, because in childhood, the way we related was really adaptive, right? It was like, it was minimizing our pain and suffering. It was finding a way to, you know, we, if you also were in an alcoholic family of some kind, it's finding a way of focusing on the whoever whoever is the identified person in the family. So let's say it's the alcoholic. That is not a family system that is rightfully focused on children because family systems that are healthy who have minor children are rightfully focused on the children. So that doesn't mean obsessed with, that means exactly what I said, focused on. If you have a school play, then we'll make sure you get to practice and you do the things you need to. We'll make sure that you get to school early and you'll have the things that you need. When you have a dysfunctional family system because of abuse, because of addiction, because of a bazillion other factors, you learn to not focus on 
your wants, your needs, your desires. You learn to naturally focus on other people's wants, needs, preferences, desires, limits, deal breakers, all of that, because this was safety. So there's nothing wrong with you. That behavior now, right, it's just maladaptive, but it really served you well. So you think about also being fluent in boundaries. Like you wouldn't feel bad if you didn't know how to speak a foreign language that nobody taught you. You wouldn't be like, what, what is my deficit that I can't just speak <laughs> French? You know, you would just go, oh man, I need a teacher. I need to learn. And this is the same thing. And you can. I've made my life's work teaching you it. So you certainly can work. So anyway, that was the longest way around the barn to get back to what are boundaries. <laughs> my friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business business for sponsoring the show. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. That's so good. And, and I, I want to, I'm just going to dive into it all. Please. You talked about the, the different types of roles that we can play, whether you're in an addictive home, a traumatic home, whatever that experience may be. You talked mm -hmm. about the hero child. 
the clown, mm, okay. the, yeah, <laughs> the hero child, um, and the invisible one. So could, could you walk us through just a little bit of these and, and how the lack of boundaries or the uh, skewed boundaries could be played with each of these so the listeners can kind of start to, to see themselves in those? Yes. And we'll call them disordered boundaries because that's what ends up happening. So you have, you also have the scapegoat, which is a really important role in, especially an addicted family system, um, because that's the one person everyone can agree needs to get it together or is the main problem. So, which is, it's terrible. I mean, the system chooses us for these roles though. Understand that a family system, right? We need homeostasis, which is um, balance in the family system. So it isn't like any one person goes, oh, you're going to be the hero child and you're going to be the thing. We just naturally do those things because that is what keeps the balance, the homeostasis where it needs to be. So if you were the hero child and that was my role and that was your role, I can tell from what you said, Joel, mm-hmm. is this is where there's a lot of expectation to, you know, we're also the one that everyone can agree is kind of a winner. But being the hero child, none of these roles are free. <laughs> none of them are free. So, you know, the scapegoat when you're younger thinks that the hero child has it easy, but no, because there's a crap ton of pressure in all of these roles and, and it's painful. So the disordered boundaries, most likely of a hero child, hero children tend towards codependency, tend towards high functioning codependency, which I'm, we're going to get to after this, because it's a phrase that I coined. So because codependency just doesn't seem to hit it with this crew and with my crew. So moving into um, that, but those are disordered boundaries, right? The inherently in being codependent, which means you're overly invested in the feeling states, the outcomes, the decisions, the circumstances of the people in your life to the detriment of your internal peace, physical, financial, spiritual well-being. That is my definition of what that is. And listen, we're all lovers. We're all invested, right? We, we care. But if your friend, your best friend has a problem and the moment she tells you about it, that problem becomes your own. That's codependency. You can always know because I'll always, I'll always say to my clients, well, did you check your urgency? Was it suddenly really urgent that you fix your friend's problem? Not that you support your friend and ask her what she thinks she should do and tell her you think that she's super capable. You are the one to fix it. Because again, especially if you're a hero child, there was an expectation that you would do that also in your family of origin. Mm. So we are really raised and praised for being <laughs> self-abandoning codependent. That is faux show. Then you have the, let's, let's look at the um, scapegoat where there's also disordered boundaries there. Because imagine if you're always getting negativity or getting blamed all the time. You feel, you go through life feeling defensive, feeling like everyone's blaming you even if they don't. You get out of the family system and then you're blaming yourself, even though you're not even living there anymore. I do have to say though, scapegoats are the ones who tend to get therapy first Mm -hmm. because they're already... Um, disconnected from the family system because of all of the pain and suffering they've, they've experienced being the scapegoat, usually they separate and individuate from a very sticky family system sooner than other members. 
Um, then you have the um, someone who's like the entertainer or the clown, we sometimes say. And that's someone who sees their value as making entertaining people, making people laugh, being the diversionary mm-hmm. tactic from whatever the stress is, right? So that's also now a disordered boundary in adulthood because you, again, there is a level of codependency in that too, where you believe that your value is not inherent, mm. right? And that's all of these roles. You don't feel like your value is inherent. So if you are the one that makes people laugh or entertains people, your value is in entertaining them, and making them laugh. The hero child, your value is in taking care of stuff and making everyone proud and being successful and ambitious. You know, the scapegoat, your value is sort of disassociating from the system eventually. Mm. Um, but you definitely don't feel inherently valuable if you're the scapegoat, because you've gotten all that negativity. And then you have the the invisible one. And, you know, what is that? That's like, have no needs. This was how you added to the, the family system. Mm. You were the one who made no noise. You you really just were like, I'm good. I don't, nope, I'm good. You're always under the radar, not wanting to be in the fray and hating conf- confrontation mm. and wanting to get away from conflict. So again, then we create disordered boundaries in our relationships because sometimes you have to have a hard conversation. But if you're the invisible one, you can't, you know? Mm. Is there a, a way that you could be maybe, uh, I would I would assume, and I'm just projecting here, primarily one, but then also kind yeah. of picking up a little bit from the others? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it also depends on how many kids there are in the family, how many players there are. It it does make a difference. And you can sort of cycle through because it depends on the main person that we're organizing around, right? If they switch and they have favorites and you're the hero child and then you're the scapegoat, that can happen too. So now that we're able to become aware of what role we played and we have this awareness, how can we use this newfound awareness and this understanding and I know that you gave it to us briefly and you know, there's more yeah. here that someone can dive into, but where do we go from here? If, if I say, okay, I, I, I was the, the hero child, I still am the hero child and I want to start to build better boundaries. I'm aware of this now, this makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. How do I use this information to now step forward? Well, here's the thing. This, is, this family system step is just information, meaning you see, oh, I'm doing it again. I'm doing more than my share. I'm doing things people are not asking me to do. And then I'm resentful that they're not as appreciative as I think they should be, right? It's the raising your awareness is always the first step in any um, sustainable transformation. What you can do now, every person, no matter what role you identified with, is the next step, because mostly people go, I don't even know where to start. I don't know where am I, I don't even know what I should do. I'm just so confused. What you can do is you can start with taking a resentment inventory. That's the first step because that will most likely tell you where you need boundaries that you're not drawing them or where you've drawn them and someone is violating them and acting like you didn't do it. So just do a resentment inventory, meaning who are the people? Just ask yourself the truth. Who do you talk crap about the most to other people or your friends? Who do you have like that negative talk in your mind, like, oh, of course, so-and-so is doing whatever because they're in whatever, like, you know, you know who it is, but I want you to really get specific and you can write down who the person is, what the situation was, 
what your resentment is and what you would like. Like, what would you like to happen there? What, what is bothering you that you're not talking about? Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to say, go have a conversation with them today. I'm most likely not going to say that because I really feel like, you know, some books you could just open them anywhere and be like, here, this is what I needed to read today. And my book is not like that. Mm-hmm. My book is goes in chronological order for a very specific and therapeutic reason where this thing builds on this thing, builds on this thing. So we must start with the self-knowledge, right? We must start with why we are the way we are, have compassion for ourselves, know that these are small steps that you're going to take. And another thing that I think would be valuable to talk about for those who are like, okay, I'm just kind of starting now to really pay attention to my boundaries. If you're someone who identifies with having difficulty saying no, right? So the one thing that I think is super important is that we just stop the auto yes. You know, the insta yes, if you're, if you're a people pleaser, if you have the disease to please, if you're seeking that outside validation and you just are always a yes girl, that is setting you up for all kinds of stuff that A, doing a bunch of crap you don't want to do. So let's not do that. But also being really resentful. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when we say yes, when we want to say no a lot, what happens? Well, either we do the thing begrudgingly and really hold it against them. Like, well, I can't believe they weren't going to come to my thing. When I did four, like you become a bean counter, not the best. Who wants to become petty like that? But it happens. Mm-hmm. Or you find a way to not do it. Mm-hmm. You suddenly have a migraine, quote unquote. You become someone, when you're a people pleaser, trust me, I know the people pleasers in my life. Every person in your life knows when you say yes, there's about a 50% chance you're going to do that thing. Like, I know the people pleasers. I know my friends who I love to death who wouldn't on their own tell me something that they, if they were afraid, I'd feel rejected. And I'll always say, hey, talk true. Why? What? You're, it's like you're beating around the bush. It's me. I'm not going to be offended. I know you love me. If you can't make it, just say so. Like, I have no tolerance. It's like, you know, you get to a point where you're like, oh my God, just say it. But when you're in it, and I have no judgment, because I was, of course, that person for a very long time. So if you are that, you know, yes, gal, it's okay. Slowly but surely. So what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through some quick steps of what to do instead of instantly agreeing to anything. When anyone for the next seven days, everyone, let's just agree for the next seven days, no matter what anyone asks you, you're not going to give them an immediate answer. Mm. You're going to say, um, hey, I need to check my calendar and I'll go back to you tomorrow. Hey, I have a 24-hour decision-making policy, so I'll let you know tomorrow. Hey, I need to talk to my spouse, my roommate, my friend. When I do that, I'll let you know. That's it. Or I'll let you know by Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. And I have, when I first started drawing boundaries, I would encounter people who would say, um, they would create urgency as a manipulation tactic. So they'd be like, well, I mean, this is a really great thing. And, and if, I, I need to know if you, you want the ticket because if not, I'm, I'm giving it away or I'm, I have someone else who wants it. I will always say, oh, then don't worry about it. I think you should give it to the other person because if you need an instant answer, I'm a no. Because mm. that's not how I do it. So you can try to pressure me all you want, but I'm not going to be pressured. So I will call your bluff. And most of the time they go, all right, well, if you can let me know tomorrow by three, then like maybe I can hold the ticket for you. You're like, 
Yeah, that's what I thought. So we're not saying yes, because here's the thing. When we say, I'm not sure, which is what you're saying when you say, I got to check my calendar or whatever, you're not saying yes when you really want to say no. And hey, maybe you really want to think about it. Maybe you're not positive whether you want to do the thing or whether you have the bandwidth to help the person if that's what they're asking you. And you get to come back and say, it's so much easier to say no or to make some stipulation when you have not already said yes. And I think, you know, that idea of when you're someone who hasn't learned how to cultivate and create boundaries in your whole life, sometimes you don't even know that you have permission to pause. You, you don't even know that you have the right to just, hmm, let me get back to you on that. And because I think that the safety mechanism of, of not having any boundaries and always wanting to fix and shape and be the person that everybody loves is that reactive. Yes, yes, I've got you. I got you. Don't worry about it. You don't even know mm. that it's possible for you to pause. I would love for you to share more about that. The, it's just such a great point. I was jumping out of my chair because here, here's the thing. We're on autopilot, mm. right? We are reacting, not mindfully responding. And so you're right. We don't know. Literally, you said we need permission to pause. So good. Yes, we do. And we have it. This is the exact reason, though, Jewel, that at the front of the book, I have the Boundary Boss Bill of Rights. There's only 10 of them. I think we should quickly go through them. Please. Because this exactly what you said is what all of my clients would come and be like, I don't know. I think I'm being unreasonable. I shouldn't do like, is it okay that I do that? Is it not? Am I being a jerk? Am I being bitchy? Like so confused. And it's very easy to be manipulated by others when they can assert themselves or if they go, I don't know, you feel that way. It's like stupid. Like, why do you feel that way? You have no reason to feel that way. When you know that that is an emotional boundary violation you can easily say, oh, wait, wait, hold up, hold up, Bob. I actually am just telling you how I already feel. And I'm not asking for your opinion on my feelings. Just, just telling you that's how I feel. Because I don't want to hold resentment for you. Like, you will learn to stop mothers in their tracks, like, mm. in that way. And you can do it lovingly. So, start with the Boundary Boss Bill of Rights. Here we go. You have the right to say no or yes to others without feeling guilty. We discovered that. There we go. You have the right to make mistakes, to course correct, or to change your mind. So major when you're an overfunctioner and a type A perfectionist, forget it. Uh, you have the right to negotiate for your preferences, desires, and needs. And I specifically, intentionally said the word negotiate, not get your needs met. Negotiate, meaning there is some proactive action required by you. And so many of us were taught that like negotiating for our needs was like gauche or like in bad, I don't even know, like it, like it wasn't ladylike if you can even say that anymore, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. like who wants to negotiate? People should just know, or my partner should just intuit what I need or want. I don't want to have to negotiate. Well, you do have to negotiate. And All shame right. on them for not reading my mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Must not be the one. <laughs> You have the right to express and honor all of your feelings if you so choose. Again, not with people who are emotionally untrustworthy, 
no, not them. We're not, we don't need to tell them all of our feelings. So again, I purposely said, if you so choose, because, you know, not everyone deserves to know all of your feelings, you know? Uh, you have a right to voice your opinion, even if others disagree. And you don't have to, especially with the way the world has been for the last two years. Like, it's not required to have a fistfight with your Uncle Bob every time you talk about politics. Nobody needs to. I, do, I have all these boundaries, conversation boundaries, because of the pandemic and all the crap. I'm like, not a chance. I have an uncle who's always trying to provoke me into a conversation that could be a total shit show. And I'm like, oh, hey, you know what is so funny, Uncle Mike? Never am I having that conversation with you. I, I see what you're doing. I see what you're trying to do, but it's not going to work. And I use humor because if not, I would have to disassociate myself with like half my extended family. Anyway, moving on. Um, you have a right to determine who has the privilege of being in your life. Mm. So this refers to you having a VIP section. And most of us don't even know we do. And you are the only bouncer and you make the guest list and you put up that rope or you don't. So if you're twisting yourself up in a pretzel for like your third cousin twice removed because she's super entitled, she needs to get the hell out of your VIP section mm. because it should just be people where there's mutuality, where you fill their bucket and they fill your bucket and it is safe to share your most tender heart. And that it's okay if like your family is not in your VIP section. It doesn't mean you have to excommunicate them. It just means know who you're dealing with and you have to protect your most tender heart, you know? Mm. Yeah. So good. Are you ready to stop dimming your light and start living the life you were born to have? If so, I am ready for you to join my brand new Empower You membership. The Empower You membership is perfect if you are ready to stop feeling like time is running out, stop believing that everything has to be so hard in order for you to succeed, if you don't want to feel like you have to make yourself smaller to make others feel safe, if you're tired of trying to fit in in order to get what you want, the Empower You membership is for you. Now, you are supported every single month inside the membership with bi-weekly coaching from me. You also get monthly study guides, access to private podcast episodes that you can't get anywhere else, and so much more. You no longer have to feel alone or unsupported on your journey to newfound freedom in your life. And the Empower You membership, you can get access to today for just 29 bucks every single month. No commitments, no fuss, no muss. I want it to be as easy as possible for you to be able to step into the empowered life that you were meant to live. And so you can get started today at juliesolomon.net slash membership and join us. I cannot wait to support you. So good. Three more. You have the right to communicate your boundaries, limits, and deal breakers, as we are saying. You have the right to prioritize your self-care without feeling selfish. Mm. And then last but not least, you have the right to talk true, be seen, and live free, which is the subtitle of the book. Mm. Well, talking true. What is that? And how do I do it? All right. <laughs> it is... You know, from, from a more macro view, it's not having this huge difference between your internal experiences and your external experiences, mm. right? Meaning we are 
speaking authentically. We are telling the truth about how we feel and our preferences and our desires. And many of us were trained that to be the cool girl, right? To be the chill girl, to, you know, people love to say, you know me, easy breezy, no fuss, no muss. Whatever you guys want to do is good for me. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that sometimes we don't care about. There are. But you know, if that is your stance, because your your highest value is to avoid conflict. Right? You see how if you're the cool girl and everything's okay with you, it's all good. Well, that that, that is a surefire way of avoiding conflict and never being known mm. and never being authentically seen, never being succinctly heard because you are not talking true. You are not succinctly expressing how you feel, what you think, what you want, what you don't want. And those things, right? Your preferences, limits, deal breakers. They're not just your boundaries. They are who you are. Mm. So when you say yes, when you want to say no, you are literally giving the people in your life corrupted data about who you are. So how can anyone authentically love you if you never actually allow them to authentically know you? Terry. Mic drop. <laughs> that is amazing. Okay. So with talking true, and I can, I can just hear my audience right now. I'm going to just, what's coming through. They're like, okay, Terry, I'm ready to talk true. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. is that but? How do I say what I mean, mean what I say, and not say it mean? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, it takes practice. And before you can do any of that, you need to do the work to know yourself. I have a huge inventory you do at the beginning of the book, book which is the okay and not okay list, mm. which literally goes through every part of your life. Is, is the bedding, you know, the sheets on your bed, are they okay with you? Like, would you like them to be different? Dialing super into our preferences mm. is the way you're communicating in your relationship. Is that okay with you? Is how you guys are relating to your finances? Is that okay with you or not okay with you? Because this starts us really thinking about our preferences in a real way. And you must, here's the thing, and I'm going to get to talking to you, don't worry, but here's the thing, your relationship with yourself sets the bar for every other relationship in your life. So if you work yourself to death, if you don't rest when you're tired, if you like martyr yourself and, you know, prioritize everyone else's needs above your own, if your self-care sucks, if you talk badly about yourself, you will inevitably attract others who agree with your low self-assessment. So the most important thing is that you work to fall madly and deeply in love with yourself. Because then the truth is still the truth. You will attract others who believe you are worthy of being treated like the friggin' queen that you actually are, right? So, so it's, it's really important. The knowing yourself stuff is really important. 
thinking that you have to draw boundaries or create boundaries with aggression, with being mean, by rejecting and saying no, those are all myths. That's all fear-based myths. You can say, hey, babe, I'd like to make a simple request that you pick your wet towel up off my wood floor because there's a mother effing hook on the back of the mother effing bathroom door that you could just mother effing hang it there. But we can say it nicely, right? I'd like to make a simple request. And what I teach you in the book is that we have boundary first timers. So these are the people that you have never verbally tried to assert a boundary with. You may say, Betty's a bully, she's entitled, she should know. But if you haven't said it in some way, you could text it, you could email it, say it with words, then we have to consider Betty a boundary first timer. Mm -hmm. Then we have the repeat offenders. Then, of course, we go to the one huge chapter in the book, which is boundary destroyers, which is a whole other ball of wax. But with the people who are like, well, I want to say it, but I don't want to be mean, don't be so quick to want to say it. Slow down. Get clear about what boundary is needed. How do you feel? What bothered you? What bothers me about a wet towel on my floor is if I have repeatedly asked that person. For me, I would, there will be eventually, and this is everyone, we must attach a consequence to a boundary, if we're dealing with a repeat offender, right? We give people a chance to change. We remind them, we know, changing a boundary dance, right? People are going to notice. You start doing new moves, somebody's going to notice, and that's okay. So we have to expect we're going to have to repeat our boundaries. And <laughs> my clients are like, I said it, can't wait to never say it again. I'm like, uh, well, <laughs> you're most likely going to have to say it <laughs> again, probably 10 more times. Yes. But then we get to a point of saying, hey, once we know, we're like, okay, now this person is officially a repeat offender. We say, hey, I've talked to you about this multiple times. You've agreed to not put your wet towel on the floor. You keep breaking your word. So now I'm going to, and then whatever the thing I'm going to do, I'm going to take the towel and throw it outside. I'm going to take the towel and throw it. You know, you're going to have to keep washing your own friggin' towels. I'm going to put your towel on the floor in the laundry room like, <laughs> or whatever we're going to do, right? That's not a great example, but let's say it's someone who is coming late for dinner. And let's say you're the person who was making the dinner and they're late all the time. And you've asked them many times, hey, if you're going to be more than 10 minutes, just let me know. I won't put the food out till I know you're coming home, right? So the food will be hot. And then we don't have to waste our evening fighting about you being an inconsiderate blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to a point where it keeps happening, then you can say, hey, I've asked you five times to let me know, and you still don't. And tonight you didn't call. So if it happens again, I'm not saving. You will be making your own food. And that's a drag. We won't be eating together, but I'm not sitting here like an idiot waiting for you. Like it's just not, it is so inconsiderate. So that's the consequence. And you you would skip that last part that I just said, like an idiot, but sometimes <laughs> I want to get mad. Um, but you, you, an appropriate consequence, right? That, and that is a consequence to someone. If you normally eat dinner together every night and the first time you really just go, they're late, 
their food is in the fridge and you, you already ate, it will usually, if the, if the relationship is good, it doesn't usually come to that. The person will will come around or will, you know, you'll you'll talk about it. Unless the relationship is really spiteful and dysfunctional, and then you then you then that's going to be difficult to create boundaries because you have to look at your own behavior in that as well. Mm. And I want to talk about I I call it false threats. Mm-hmm. So when you are creating a boundary, if it's um you know for example at one time I had um, this friend that I was around, and this was back when I was first getting help from my own issues with boundaries and starting to create them and all of that. And she gossiped a lot and it really Mm. did not sit well with me. And I was really trying to get away from that. It wasn't good for my headspace. So I, and this was a big deal for people, please or Julie, I asked her, I said, you know, I'm going to have some girls over. I would love for you to come and it's going to be a good time. And I'm just going to ask if you come that you don't gossip about people that aren't here. And wow. she said, excuse me? And I just said, I'm having some people over. It's a great <laughs> dinner. I would love for you to come. And I'm asking that if you come, that you, that you don't gossip. And she was like, so you're telling me that if I come to your house, I can't be my, you know, she kind of went into this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I can't talk about other people. And I said, that's exactly what I'm saying. Right. And yep. I would love for you to come. Right. Love well, it. that friendship ended there. Yep. Great. And it was hurtful mm-hmm. and it was all, but obviously there was dysfunction and stuff going codependency and stuff with me happening there. Anyways, that friendship needed to end. But what was big for me in this moment, it was the first time that I kind of stated a threat or a, a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. And I honored it because in the past growing up, I would throw out with boyfriends and, you know, throw out these threats all the time and then never live up to them. So then people couldn't take me seriously because I was a doormat. They got to walk all over. So I would love for you to kind of chat about the, you know, when you, and I want to go into the preferences, limits and non-negotiables, but when Mm -hmm. you know yourself and you decide to say, this is my limit, how do you make sure that you can back that up? Well, that's why when we were thinking of consequences, we think of things that are commensurate to the crime, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't overreact. We don't have an amplified response. The the example I gave you, I think, is is pretty fair. Someone who continually does not tell you they're going to be late, which is inconsiderate if you're the one especially cooking. So not cooking for them anymore (laughs) is, is a perfectly appropriate consequence. And again, don't think of consequences like punishing. The consequence is to spare us other people's bad behavior. Mm. So it's We've not given like them if, a ch- if you do this, Terry, then I'm going to, it's not that. Exactly. It's you nope. owning your end. If this happens, then I am going yes. to have to do blank. Yes. And, and here's the thing. It's about me protecting mm-hmm. my own integrity, protecting my core self, protecting my feelings, because I've asked you to partner with me on protecting my feelings and you have let me down. So it's, it's like that again, it's, and another thing that I think is really important, Jewel, is being super clear that mastering boundaries is not about, it's not a lever to control others with. We make our simple requests, our boundary requests. We make our boundary negotiations because this is, the truth about how we feel, because 
We want to be known because how we feel matters, because what we think matters. And so it's a win. Mm. If you tell the truth anywhere in your life, if you make a simple request, like with that girl, your, your ex friend, mm -hmm. you had a simple request. It was such an ego injury for her. She ended the relationship. And of course, we have many, many, many relationships in life that are just school. <laughs> We're just mm -hmm. learning from these people, which is amazing. Thank you. And you did a great job of saying that. When we get to um, gossiping, because that's all kinds of bad boundaries, triangulation, people will always say, like, what do I do in the office? People are always talking shit about other people. I can't stand it. And I say, hey, you can go in. And when they start, you can say, oh, hey, 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 I'm on a negativity fast. FYI. So I will not know. It's just move it, move this away from my desk, people. Mm -hmm. Like it's, or it's really bumming me out or just tell the truth. I really don't want to gossip anymore. I feel like it leaves me feeling kind of gross. So I just don't want to. I'm not right. You had every right to ask her not to gossip and you're at your party. But especially when it comes to work stuff, I'm not saying crap about them. I'm saying, I'm not participating right. and people are much less defensive when you can do it from your own perspective. But back to my point about the reason why we want people to know our preferences, our desires, our limits, our deal breakers is because we want to be known and because we're worth really knowing, not like vaguely knowing, not like mm, broad strokes knowing you are worth being super specifically known because you're so unique, Julie, you yourself. Like there's never been another you. There will never be another you. DNA wise, this is a fact. We know that. Everyone listening, this is a fact. So being known is important. Mm -hmm. So even if the person freaks out, even if they go, I can't believe you, you're not the person I married. You're so mean now. You're selfish. You're whatever. S expect it. Expect if someone is dramatic that they might get dramatic when you start to create boundaries. And you can stay lovingly attached and say, hey, babe, I see that you're upset. I love you. I'm sorry that you're upset. And I still need to have this boundary. I still can't go to that event because I have a presentation in the morning. But I will be with you in spirit. Well, I remember a time when you would never have missed one of my shows. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I can see that you're upset. I love you, but this is an important thing and I need to do that for myself. Mm. So people can be disappointed. <laughs> people can have their feelings too. Is that what you're saying, Terry? Yes. And people can say no to us because mm -hmm. being a boundary boss isn't just about asserting your boundaries or your preferences. It's about accepting and respecting the boundaries and preferences of others, learning to negotiate, right? We all have preferences. This is what a healthy relationship is. I've been with my husband for 25 years. It's like you find a way to meet in the middle, you know? And, and that is, it's the same thing with boundaries. But the more you share your preference, small things, big things, you know, my husband and I talk about everything, you know, what did you dream last night? What did you eat for lunch? How are you feeling now? What happened with this person? Just, these are all ways of being intimate. So if you don't tell the truth about how you feel or what you're thinking or what you dreamt or whatever the thing is, people really don't know you. And life is very um, like two-dimensional because it's not that satisfying being protected 
but being unknown. Like I'd rather be a little vulnerable and be known because that is so satisfying, you know? Mm, That's beautiful. I want to dive into preferences, limits, and non-negotiables and something that you said earlier. I remember one of the first times that I really started to feel like I was honoring my boundaries. Um, It was when I was no longer delaying my happiness and -hmm. I would see it come up. You know, I would want to go on a trip. My husband wouldn't want to go. The old me or version of me would have just not gone and then built up the resentment or tried to manipulate him into going or all the things that I would do, (laughs) you know, or just like planned it anyway, forced him to go. And then that would cause a massive issue. So when I started to just not delay my happiness and be like, okay, you know, we're going to miss you. I wish you could come, but I'm going to let you be who you are. And I'm going to still go and enjoy myself. I started to figure out, well, what does, what does make Julie happy? (laughs) What does light her up? What are her preferences? So can you, can you kind of break down from how you teach and the things in the book, and you've mentioned it a lot, the difference between the preferences, the limits and the non-negotiables and how we can start understanding ourselves more Mm -hmm. in order to figure out those things. Well, when you do your resentment inventory, you're going to, there's going to be pinpointed places in relationships that are problematic when it comes to your boundaries, because you wouldn't be resentful if there wasn't something there. So that is a good place to look at. And you can look at that situation and you're going to say, okay, this is the person This is the situation. My sister assumes that I will watch her kids on the weekends without asking me. Um, She just makes that assumption. And I love the kids and I want to see them, but I want her to ask me because I also have a life and whatever, but I haven't said anything. So now you go, okay, so what is your preference? Well, we we look over there, the, the aisle that says, there's a little thing that says what I want. I want to be considered. I want her to ask me every time she wants me to watch the kids because it's, yes, I love them. And it's also doing a favor and I want to feel appreciated. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to say that, but, but that's the truth. We all want to be acknowledged as human beings. So we start to get clear from that resentment inventory and then look at the, you know, think about your life in two things. Okay. Not okay. Think about those lists. What is not working for you? Even something as simple as maybe in your office or where you work at home, it's got a caustic light, like a bright light up top that you just hate. And you've hated it for like three years. (laughs) Get rid of the friggin' light. Like we start by honoring our own preferences. We start by dialing into I really like this kind of coffee. My husband doesn't, so I don't get it. Mm. I'm going to now buy that kind of coffee and I'm going to make a small pot for me. And I I have a little pot. I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to start prioritizing my preferences. I don't like loud noises. Oh, look, I have a friend who wears earplugs everywhere. (laughs) I don't want people to think, who cares? Get earplugs, wear them. If your person snores, get earplugs, get an eye mask, sleep in another room, whatever you need to do, your preferences matter. So part of this is really thinking about where are you more than you need to be sucking it up, taking one for the team, sit like lying to yourself. I call this the lies we tell. Mm. 
Mm. where we make excuses for the bullshit behavior of other people. We're like, well, if it wasn't the fourth quarter, I know he didn't really mean it when he screamed at me. So I'm not going to say anything. It's fine. You know, like we, we literally make excuses and we don't need to do that. And fourth quarter or no, nobody should ever have the right to scream at you at the top of their lungs. Like that's just not cool any time of year, according to me. Mm -hmm. But we do this to ourselves. We talk ourselves out of speaking up by saying, I don't want to seem like a drama queen. I don't want them to, I don't want to be a pot stirrer. I don't, you know, they're going to, if I go to HR, they're going to think I'm hysterical, dramatic, all of the fear. And you have to have an inner voice about how you feel. Believe that you matter. Mm. Believe that how you feel matters. Bob from accounting, how he feels does not matter more than how you feel. So F Bob from accounting. And if he's doing some weird shit, tell someone about it. Don't take it. And even if I like Bob from accounting, maybe Bob from accounting thinks I should be flattered. That he's always like, wow, look at those gams in that mini skirt or whatever he's saying. You can lovingly say, hey, Bob, I know that you mean this as a compliment, but I'd like to make a simple request that you stop commenting on my body or my clothing, because it really makes me uncomfortable. And I really like you. And I like our work friendship. And I fear if you, if this keeps up, I'm not going to feel that way. So clear, so easy, so simple. Right. And, and heartfelt, especially mm. if it's someone that you like, right. We don't need to be putting people on blast. Like we're not doing that mm. because it's not effective. The most effective way to do this is to make a simple request is to be neutral, is to, you visualize it going well, you pre-plan what you're going to say for sure. And I give you, there's a whole entire chapter in the book that's literally only scripts for any situation you yes. could ever find yourself in. And, and then you practice it because you got to get the words in your body because you don't want to spontaneously start crying or it could happen. Maybe, maybe do work it out with a friend or just look in the mirror, say the words, say them, own them, get them in your body have a visualization of it going well. And when I say going well, I don't mean Bob agreeing with me. I mean mm. you doing it, me doing it. That is the win. That is where your healing is. That is where your self-esteem is. That is where it all is because we are going to have people in our lives like your friend who are going to freak the fuck cannot deal. It was so painful for her that you told her the truth about her being a freaking gossip whatever lady, see ya, like goodbye. Like you said, toxic, it's okay to be gone. But that's not what, how someone else responds mm -hmm. is not your side of the street. Mm. Our side of the street is honoring ourselves and giving the people in our life the opportunity to do the same. Mm. So good. So, so good. Oh, Terry, I just like want to take a moment with that. So I have one more question because I think, you know, and it, it parlays into what a lot of what we've been chatting about today, but I want to bring it up specifically with the idea of codependency. You can share the, the definition of that from your perspective, mm -hmm. but how do codependency and boundaries or lack thereof, how do they interconnect? And are there certain things that our listeners can start to just be aware of? take yep. notice of if these things start to kind of come up in their relationships, their lives, their daily 
you know, working relationships. Yes. So before I said my definition of codependency is being overly invested in the feeling states, the outcomes, the decisions, the circumstances of the people in your life to the detriment of your own internal peace, financial, physical, spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. So you get that? Like it, it's it's like it's happening to you. Mm-hmm. It's it's causing you something. And think about what codependency really is, is an overt or covert bid for control. We don't want them to make that mistake. We want to manage what they're doing. We we don't want them to marry that jerk. We don't want them to get fired from their job. So we lie about where they were yesterday, whatever. So, you know, th- there's that. I created high-functioning codependency because my clients didn't identify with codependency, even though they were codependent, because they were thinking of the Melody Beatty, codependent no more, you have to be involved with an addict codependency. And there's many other flavors of codependency besides that, although that is codependency. But my clientele, my crew, were so high-functioning, and me as well, and I know you as well, Jewel, where I was doing it all. Everyone was coming to me. That's what my clients would say, like, codependent. I'm not dependent on crap, lady. Like, I'm the one. I'm the breadwinner. I'm making all the dough. People are coming to me. I'm like, (laughs) yes, and you're still codependent. (laughs) Because the high-functioning piece is that you make it look easy, right? So people do come to you because they think you have the answers, because you think you have the answers. You are the fixer of your friends, of your people, of, you know, especially the hero, you know, we just fall perfectly into this high-functioning codependency. But here's the thing about it and how it has disordered boundaries. I, I had a situation with one of my sisters being in a very bad relationship, being with an abusive person who was doing crack, like living in a house without, I mean, can't like in the, the woods without running water, like it was crazy. This is decades ago. And I was saying to my therapist, what am I going to do? And I'm sending her money. I'm doing this, but what am I going to do? And she was like, Terry, what makes you think you know what your sister needs to learn in this life? I was like, uh, well, I, I think we can agree. She doesn't need to learn it with a crackhead in the woods with no running water. And she was like, I cannot agree. I have no idea how her lessons are going to come to her, but do you know why you are doing, you are doing what you're doing? And I was like, clearly no idea. So tell me. And she was like, you're, you've worked really hard to have some internal peace in your life. You've been in therapy for decades. Like you, you've worked your sister's dumpster fire of a life is really messing with your peace. So you want your pain around her chaos to stop So you think if you fix it, it will stop. But it isn't your side of the street to do that. I was like, then what can I do? She's like, you can draw boundaries. And what ended up happening is I called my sister and said, hey, I love you. I cannot talk to you while you're with this person. You're calling me and telling me terrible things that he's doing to you. I come and get you and then you go back and I just can't. It's so painful to me. But if you ever want to get out, for real, I'm still your person. And about nine months later, we, we maybe we, we talked a few times, but not much. Nine months later, she called me and she's like, is that offer still good? I was like, yep, getting in my car. And she got sober and got away from that idiot and has not been with anyone abusive since. Mm. But here's the thing. 
When we think we can fix someone else's stuff, we are centering ourselves in their situation. That is codependency. We need to be needed. We need to be the center, the one on the pedestal, the one that everyone thinks, you know, it like comes to and, you know, thinks has all the answers. But you don't. And so part of what I learned from that, it was so painful. Can you imagine? Yeah, I was yeah. I, here I was. I was like, oh man, I'm Mother Teresa. I mean, obviously, I'm just a lover like that, is what I thought. <laughs> Until she was like, hi, no, that's not what it is. I was so relieved mm. that it wasn't my job. And she's like, Tara, it can't be your job. It's an impossible task right. for you to learn her lessons. It's impossible. Mm. And you also are probably temporarily removing the pain that would be the driving factor for her to get help mm-hmm. because you're giving her money, because you're putting a bandaid on this gaping wound by letting her vent and puke her toxicness all over you. She feels lighter, you feel gross, and you're upset and you're worried, and it just keeps it going. Mm-hmm. And that's really exactly what happened. So anyway, that, that was a long way around the barn to come back to how is high-functioning or regular codependency having disordered boundaries, the inherent nature of codependency is disordered boundaries. We do not have the proper, when we are actively codependent, we do not have appropriate or healthy emotional boundaries with people in our lives. Exactly what you said. We don't know where we end and someone else begins. We are, the little kid in us is so afraid of the chaos of someone else making a mistake, right? We can control our own actions, but now we want to control everyone's actions. And I was completely indiscriminate. It could be my hairdresser, my postman, like anybody. I would be Never. like, oh my God, Phil, let's let's talk about your love life. I mean, I'm not kidding. <laughs> like as if I didn't have enough to do. So I was running a talent agency and I'm still, you know. So anyway, I don't even know if I answered the question, Jill. You did. No, <laughs> you, you answered it beautifully. And I think it's really going to allow... Uh, my amazing community that is listening this today that bring this stuff up in natural conversation and coaching calls, whether they even realize it or not, they, this is what they're talking about. And that's why I know this is going to be in such great service to everyone. Um, I want to give away five of your books that I'm, I'm purchasing to support you to our amazing listeners. So if, if any of this you know, and I, I love it when you guys screenshot and share. So let us know your biggest takeaway. Screenshot this episode, tag me and Terry. She's going to leave her social in a minute on Instagram. Yep. Let yep. us know what your biggest aha moment is. The first five that I see do that. I'm sending you a copy of her book. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> and I, I can't, um, I can't stress enough to, to you that are, that are listening that also get the audible so you can hear, I mean, you hear Terry's just phenomenal. You can hear it. You can read it. You can really take it in. And I can't wait to hear what you all, um, what you all say and think about this. And Terry, I know that you have something for us as well. I do. And this has been such a pleasure. And thank you so much for sharing me with your community. I really appreciate it. Um, I have a gift for you guys and it is basically boundaries and codependency. So it's a video and it's a downloadable guide. So you can really see where are you on this spectrum of codependency? I think it'll be very illuminating for you. So you go to boundaryboss.me forward slash influencer, and I'll make sure that 
the I have a boundary quiz. That's free. Anyone can take it. 13 questions. It'll give you your boundary archetype. And you just go to boundaryquiz.com. And I'll, I'll try to um, tell them to put that on the page too. So you just have one place to go. Mm-hmm. And we'll make sure that that's on our show notes as well. Great. And you can find me at Terry, you know, just at Terry Cole on a Instagram and terrycole.com and I have the Terry Cole show. And you're going to come on my show, aren't you, Jill? I am. I'm going to come on. I'm so excited for our conversation. Me too. And that is T-I-R-R-I-C-O-L-E. Wait, T-E-R-R-I. Did I say T-I? Yeah, T-E-R-R-I. C-O-L-E, right. All right, you guys, thank you, Jules, so much. This was so, just, I loved it so much. So to be continued on my show. Yes, thank you. As always, thank you so much for joining me today and every week here on the Influencer Podcast. If you're wanting to dive deeper into the topics and discussions that we have here, I would encourage you to head over to juliesolomon.net and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It is in our amazing newsletter community that we are able to really support you on a much larger scale. And I love to do a ton of amazing things that I send inside your inbox every single week. So just head over to juliesolomon.net. You'll see a little spot there that you can add your information in and you will get on the list and start receiving all all of that good stuff.